Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcons, I'm a Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Farad Nehru. Hello, hello. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hello. In our long-standing Film Fight Club tradition, the Sydney Film Festival have launched their annual program, their 67th, who are covering it is their first virtual film festival. We're going to be getting to that a little later in the program. We will also be talking about The Lovebirds, the new Netflix film with Kamel Nanjiani, and we're going to be doing the Psy Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut is happening. We can confirm it. It's not a joke anymore, though. It's still a joke. You might even hear some more optimistic perspectives on it than this introduction uh, promises. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I joke it's out cynical, but I, I have a very non-hot take, hot take on this. So we'll get to that a little later in the program. But honestly, like I, I was feeling very nostalgic and now I'm thinking back about it because Sydney Film Festival time and we've had this annual tradition of doing it as we received the fresh program in our hands and doing it at the town hall steps. And remember, we just flicked through the program and we just do what it's yeah. saying. This is really the episode where we can pretend that we're not under lockdown. We've actually gone back in time two years. It's like, let's talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Let's talk about the <laughs> Sydney Film Festival. Talk about Camille Nanjiani movies. His, and- new, his new movie, yeah. His new movie, The Big Sick. How cool was that? Yeah, I'd rather focus on that one. But we'll talk about The Lovebirds later. We will. For the moment, just some things that are happening around town that you can still see amidst uh, social distancing. The Move in Bed Cinema has rebranded as a drive-in moving car. They're opening tomorrow night. And they have a lot of films screening throughout. I know that a lot of those screenings are already booking pretty fast. haven't booked out already. Knives Out, a few other screenings. So that's something I read today that the entire box office tally for Florida in one week was this one drive-in cinema on the edge of Miami. So... Hey, uh, Sydney, you can go to drive in car and maybe... Uh... Maybe that is the new business model that theaters should look for. Well, I was actually reading just last night that in Florida, they're planning this incredible new drive through theater complex, which is five different screens. And it has on-site camping, restaurants, a massive sort of lighthouse in the middle. It's going to be called the Lighthouse 5 Cinema Complex with the five screens situated around the lighthouse. Wow. It looks Definitely awesome. Play horror movies only. Only. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd like, be a great place to watch The Lighthouse, right? <laughs> yeah, great place to watch Shutter Island. Yeah. Also coming up this week, Static Vision are going into their 10th week of screenings at 6 p.m. on Friday night with Prototype, a video compilation of shorts and video art, with including interviews with the filmmakers and creators. In addition, Monster Fest on Friday night and following that at 9 p.m. are doing their second season of screenings. And you can go on Facebook, watch. They're for free and just chat with the crew and watch some schlocky horror. And Cinema, the Science Film Festival, is also starting and screening online from June 1st. Another thing that's happening is that as of June 21st in Victoria the Andrews government has announced uh, the circumstances in which cinemas will be allowed to reopen certainly social distancing measures have to be maintained but individual screens will be able to operate this is a change we don't necessarily see that major tentpole features will be coming because they'll want them to be able to open to fill out cinemas in major jurisdictions a lot of smaller cinemas like the Golden Age which you can apparently hire out now for a whole night with a bunch of friends will screen individual films retrospectives um, some festival hits stuff that would screen at this year's virtual Sydney Film Festival. It's a gamble, I think, for cinemas because there's no content coming out, right? They need to just do the retrospective screenings. But is that enough to make your business on? I guess it's going to potentially bring in more money than selling chalk tops. 
Yeah. Times are tough. They are doing that. Randwick and a few others are attending Newtown over Chalk Tops. And another thing we didn't mention that Golden Age actually had the curated online series of films, their own little streaming service that you can get access to. They have a lot of great flicks on there. I think a few people will go and support their locals, like the Sun Theatres, the Orpheums. People will venture out. And granted, the first thing a lot of people want to do when they get it outside won't be to sit in the darkened room with a bunch of strangers, but many will, and many will climatize going back to the cinema more regularly as we always have and this is I think the start so. of it for, yeah. at least in victoria to update on what we were saying last week i doubt tenet is still coming out in july it hasn't been officially delayed yet but there was a new trailer that simply said coming to coming theaters. soon to theaters our and views so, have not yeah. changed yeah yeah but we, we we will review it we will see the new nolan we're going to talk about the Sydney Film Festival program in the moment, but to note, we are one, the Global Film Festival, which starts, well, today, which is a compilation of entries and editions from many film festivals, Tribeca, New York, Karlovy, many around the world, Berlin included. Sydney Film Festival is the Sydney edition, the Australian edition, and as of today, the two films that have been contributed by Australia have been announced, Ivan Sen's Mystery Road and Rachel Perkins' Marlow, and that'll be available to screen until from now until june 5th i think what's the the more exciting thing about this whole program is that you can decide when you want to watch it and i think given everyone's working from home in situation like that having that freedom to choose when you want to watch your film is actually beautiful and i think one of the other beautiful things about the program is the master classes and talks that are actually being scheduled as well that you can listen and tune into with a lot of famous directors so i think it's a it's a beautiful program i think that everyone should uh, look out for it's on youtube for free which is amazing I mean, if you're going to go to a virtual film festival instead of a, the real thing, being able to choose when you watch the movies is like the bare minimum. Yeah, but, but still the fact that it's free and the licensing restriction that all the film festivals come together and work that out. Uh, it's mm. incredible that we are having yeah. that. It's, it, it's true, yeah. but it is a fairly limited selection from all the oh, film totally. festivals. Yeah. I'm just pouring cold water over, over know, the like, utopian optimism. I, I did enjoy the masterclass selection with like Guillermo del Toro and, and other directors, which you don't often get to hear as much in the public eye. I think it's interesting to see you know, what their perspectives are going to be like. So yeah, yeah. that's what I'm actually excited about. The movie is less so. Yeah, I, also Sydney Film Festival for the general program have talks and additions and introductions auxiliary to main films. It is similarly a on-demand program. I do like the idea of like at a festival actually sitting down at a specified time and watching it. I grant you get some flexibility, but uh, and maybe it's more on us to arrange to watch with others at the same time as I've been doing for other film and musical watchers. But this is the flexibility is good. It means more people will be inclined to pick up more tickets. Um, we're going to get onto that in a moment. Just one other thing to note Foxtel have launched their separate streaming service binge for $10 a month. Um, Game of Thrones, Sopranos, or a lot of shows that are popular have, are on there. Um, some that are on other streaming networks, some that are new to it. It looks good. It's an interesting outcome because for a long time, a lot of the stuff you want, basically all the HBO shows have been locked up under Foxtel On Demand, where you need to have an expensive monthly Foxtel subscription to watch them. And more and more people are saying that's just not worth it. They'd like to watch those shows, but there are other ways they can watch them, like going on iTunes and renting it. And uh, Foxtel is doing very badly at the moment. 
Yeah, yeah. For what it's worth, like I have Netflix, Stan, Amazon, and Disney, but Foxtel, where you pay, I, I, for what I would pay for those, I'd pay for Foxtel for a month. It hasn't been worth me. I get Foxtel when the rugby comes around every year. Otherwise, um, it hasn't been worth me. This this could be. And this but is now with, the stuff with I want. sports, I think we have KL, right? We have KO Sports, which is essentially... Well, no one's, one's been one watching play. KO Sports, as I understand it. Oh. But yeah, the Foxtel and KO are both struggling financially. Foxtel, especially because there's been no sports going on, their subscriber rate was already on decline. And then suddenly it's this big financial shock with COVID-19. But just generally, don't you guys feel like there's too many streaming services now? Like, uh, yes. I, I just kind of feel like, even though they're like, everything is 10 bucks each, if I just keep piling them on together, it still feels like a substantial investment on a monthly basis. It's I like, think you want know, number... 60 bucks a month. That's there's Mubi and Tubi, which are free. Canopy is great. There's a lot of ones out there that are good. I can't get Canopy at the moment because I have to go sign up by public library. My public libraries aren't open. Yeah. There's a um, lot that are... Canopy is great. has a lot of great stuff too, and it's free. I think I could be wrong here. It could be that we all just suck it up and get used to paying for, you know, one or two different ones as that, you know, every month and, and yeah. switching the ones we yeah. subscribe to. But my feeling is a lot of these guys are going to go out of business because it's just too competitive a market. Yeah. Um, and that's why I end, like we'll consolidate down to like three or four competitors again. I think that's why I like what movie did with movie library. I think given we don't have access to Criterion the, and all film struck. Yeah. And I think movie library and having that as a selection, which you're not restricted to watching one movie a day. Yeah. I think is a, a, a boon for Australian audiences who want to watch uh, auteur cinema, quote unquote. So Mubi, the collection is amazing. Mubi is a, a company that gives you something completely different to all the other yeah. streaming. So I think they've really set themselves apart, and we're really, really excited for yeah what they keep adding to the library because now it's yeah getting bigger. But something else to stream come June 10th through 21st is the Sydney Film Festival. Now, we've covered it each year. This is distinct. Um, importantly, there are there are 33 films and several shorts and additions to it. There are 16 world premieres. A lot of them are, Austra uh, there are many Australian features. 74% of the films are directed by women, which is a huge uptick from previous festivals. That's and what happens when Voices of Women in Film is one of the only parts of the program this year. Yes, in addition to the SBS On Demand, which is probably one of the most looking forward to, and a few premieres, including an Eliza Scanlon film. That is correct. Uh, the, I think your Women, women and Voices in Film uh, selection is the most exciting in terms of premieres and features from international film festivals. And you can watch the whole package of 10 films for 99 bucks, which I think is a bargain when you think about it. So even the affordability of watching these films is quite reasonably priced. And I think anyone, any, anyone who was actually wanting to see these films can reason they're very reasonably priced and you know when you think about it it's pretty exciting to pick up on chris's earlier point i'm excited for this i think it's great they put it together i think that every film festival around the world is in the same position where they no don't have the glut of new films they got up as offer so they're looking at some new ones many retrospectives certainly sydney more than most have the ability to draw on films they have screened before very prominent ones that have got subsequent commercial releases they've done that they've got a very good selection i think this will draw a lot of people in i think people who are hoping for something akin or identical to physical film festivals and programs in the years past you will be left wanting in great respects but there is a good lineup a um, woman at war is in there france Ha, some of the great uh, Leo de Trace, my favorite film yeah. a couple of years back, which also premiered at Sydney Film Festival. There's some great ones the in best the SBS and the Monster. Winter Sleep, which is four hours of uh, nothingness. But yeah, you know. I'm sorry, Baby Teeth's not in there, excuse me. 
So it's it's a very exciting. I think the SPS on demand uh, collection, the top forty that they've chosen, is a fascinating cross section of, of films. Uh, especially, I think if you missed out on any of the the best from Sydney Film Festival in previous years, it's it's a good way to catch up. Yeah, Clarify. The right one in is in there. Omar was really great from several years back. The Guilty, which is I think also on S, which is on, currently on SBS and on, really really good. And the Red Turtle, some gorgeous films in here. Cemetery of Splendor, The Square. Yes. Strangerland, really underrated. Look, it's a huge undertaking, and importantly, people can watch it around the country. I have friends who sometimes can't find Vicinity Film Festival or what I'd like to enjoy it with, and I know the opportunity to sit and watch a few films with them. And ones, I'm certainly going to be looking up Leave No Trace and Women at War with a couple of mates and saying, hey, let's, we're going to pick a few Sydney Film Festival flicks. Like, these are the ones I'm watching first. And, and Education's in, they haven't seen that since release. Oh, yeah. Um, the but an Education. Hardy, basically, the film that put for Hardy. No. No, oh, a separation. Oh, yeah, better than right. an no, education. A separation is on there, and yeah. education is also on there. Oh, wow. Okay, both of them were in there. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. A separation I will also be rewatching. I haven't seen that since release either. Yeah. It's much better yeah. than an education. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would not disagree. I think there's, there's a really hidden miss films on there, yeah. according to me. The, the Other like, Side of Hope, the new Aki Kurosaki film is in I there. Think, I well. think it's more of a miss, but sure. There's, I, there's films in there that I think are really great. And there's, there's like the crowd pleasers that I thought actually weren't that good at all. And movies that just could do really well in the SFF bubble, like Rafiki. Rafiki oh, is yeah. historically significant for African cinema. Yeah. Um, and it's totally the thing that would sell tickets to, at a film festival. Like, wow, a lesbian story? I wasn't, um, yeah, um, I saw it and I was, like, I just kept my mouth shut when I saw it as like, you know. Yeah, it's not a good movie. In the, in the popular majority in terms of opinion. Like it's the kind you, of thing if that. If you didn't like a film said, say so. We always do. <laughs> no, but you know, it, 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 I, I wanted to support the fact that yeah, we are trying to reach other regions of, of, you know, where we usually don't get films from. So from that perspective, I was happy. That we got but, a film, but, but I wasn't sure of its merit. Yeah, there's fantastic African cinema that doesn't regularly get played at the City Film Festival elsewhere. The City of African Film Festival finishes around this year of some great African cinema, which won't, wouldn't otherwise get around in Australia. Yeah. And if not for the festival going virtual, wouldn't have seen Australian screens at all. It's interesting. One of my most hated films from the program was Two Days, One Night, which won, I think. I think that's a great film. film festival, which I hated. So, you know, clearly there, there is a lot of distinctive opinions. So it's not like, you know, whatever Sydney Film Festival likes is we're all on board for that. So, yeah, that's I don't like the Dardenne Brothers in general. But yeah, this was one I particularly hated. I will not drag out the episode by getting into an argument with you over that one. <laughs> okay. Except to say that I disagreed about as much as one can. So there's a lot of the uh, re- regular Sydney Film Festival strands, the screenability section, the Dendy Short Film Awards, and there's actually pretty cool packages. I always struggle with the, each year with the flexi passes. They can get quite expensive, but this year you can get individual tickets, you can get whole strand tickets, you get a whole festival pass, and I think it's a lot more affordable than in previous years. So I think it's going to be open it up the same way as the virtual platform will for a lot of people who wouldn't otherwise go to the center of Sydney or to Sydney at all. So they, this could actually, I think it will actually expand the reach of the festival, which is pretty Definitely. good. Definitely, and, and they have a very good documentary selection as well, which I think docos usually get a, they get burdened by the features and they have to compete. But this time around, there's a more of an equal split given, you know, we have a limited selection and the docos are getting 
more well, of a representation in there with the features as well. So it's sort of a rising tide lifts all boats thing with the movies at the Sydney Film Festival. Things end up selling out because people have committed to the festival and they're like, oh, what's on? And then they're like, oh, this sounds interesting. I wonder if there's going to be the same effect this year where you don't have some of the big ticket things that pull people in. You've just got the documentary program. If people are going to go, oh, limited selection, oh, well, this one sounds interesting, or if you're just not going to have as many people subscribing. I mean, it's going, it's going to be an interesting test. Running this online thing, it's completely yeah. different to any Sydney Film Festival totally. before, obviously. And I think that's why I think the pricing is interesting. The buying it as a package is cheaper than buying individual tickets. And Mm. and I think bucks for every movie. I mean, say less than ten bucks. I think ninety-nine bucks. Film festival get like a ten-person pass. Get a couple. A couple get a ten-person pass and see five films. That's going to cost them a hundred something bucks. Now they can see all of it for less than twice of that. So a lot of families, a lot of groups of friends will get it. Now you can have ten people, five people over. Uh, it's going to be worth it for a lot of folks. They'll just split the cost. And oh, yeah, exactly. Like if you're living in the same house, only one person can buy it and you can split the cost and you can all watch together on, on one screen, essentially. Yeah, I mean, well, not that we're suggesting that's what you're supposed to do, but I'm sure a lot of people will... Um, I'm still saying people can buy tickets. I'm not saying don't buy it. You know, but if you're in the same house, you can make it a more collective experience. That's what I, that's where I was coming from. And Tangerine too, really good movie from a few years back. Oh, yeah, Sean like, Baker, you know, well, yeah, really. one of the best talks as well. I think his insights were fascinating given the way it was shot. You know, it was quite revolutionary at the time. You know, everyone's shooting things on smartphones, especially given the uh, current isolation. So, yeah, um, that is Sydney Film Festival 2020, and we'll be covering it more in the coming weeks. And this festival is running from June 10th to 21st, and tickets are available now. In polar opposite news, you may remember from a few years ago a movie called Justice League, if we can call it a movie. You may not remember it. <laughs> it was very, very bad. It was really bad, yeah. And a group of people on the internet decided that there was a version of it out there that was good, directed by someone who'd made two other very bad DC films. But they persisted. And in social isolation, as Zack Snyder and a few others thought, we're going to make this happen. So they made it happen. And now we have the Snyder Cut. Yeah. After I have a conspiracy theory. I think there was no such thing as a Snyder Cut. There never after was. The whole of course there was. No, no. The whole, the whole the there never was a Snyder Cut thing being discredited. He Sorry? shot it afterwards in secret, just no. so there could be... There <laughs> was a Snyder cut. cut. It's an unfinished cut, right? Yes, there, that is there was correct. a there was print. Yeah, there's an yeah, unfinished version. Yeah, but there was a, firstly a four and a half hour cut with all Snyder's footage, and then a, an unfinished two hour, 40 minute version. And then Snyder left the production and Joss Whedon came in and there were reshoots and such. But there's the raw material to complete the cut. They just need to do new effect scenes. Um, So it's going to come to $30 million to finish this. Will he have the mustache? As long as he has the mustache. Can... He, but the thing is, he he won't have the mustache because no, all right. this footage was shot before the new footage where Cavill had the mustache and they CGI'd it out to give Superman that weird upper lip look he has in the final film. Yeah. No mustache there. Are we are we talking about the four and a half four and a half hour? Well, version, it sounds like that's we... actually what they're going. The four hour version is actually what's going to be released because they're releasing it in installments, reportedly. Yeah, they're I'm... going to make it a mini series. They're right. they're still unsure, but the <sighs> mini series option is up there because it's like, well, if it's not a theatrical release, why does it have to be two hours anymore? I might as well watch a Lab Diaz movie. Like, well, I think it'll be bad. You know, I think the Justice League we got was bad, but it also showed a big tonal mismatch between the really grim 
grim Snyder feeling material and then suddenly the super jokey Joss Whedon material. I'm sure Snyder's Justice League would also have kind of retrofitted in humor because the executives were demanding it. But uh, Whedon did complete rewrites as well as reshoots. I think the film would be improved by not having this big tonal chasm that you have to work to rectify as you watch it yeah i'm very curious about it i think anyone even casual even casual fans even people didn't like it will be curious about what's out there given they shot so many hours of footage given it's different to the extent that dark seed is a character as opposed to um the the other villain we got the sun he he won't be in it much it's still mostly going to be steppenwolf as i understand but with this it's had such traction over so many years. A part of it was a joke. Part of it was fans who seriously wanted it. And it got to the point where it got beyond us meme, beyond the social media um, extravaganza. Gal Gadot, the stars of it started tweeting about it and it's happened. And separate to the consequence for it as a piece of art, it's one of the key examples of a fan movement pushing for a film to be made or a version to be released or getting and, and getting it. This could change how studios interact more generally with fan bases because fan bases now know that, hey, we can get our way if we push for it enough, which isn't always a bad thing. I don't mind fans coming out and saying, we want this, we want that, but this will totally shift how studios expect and interact, how fans expect to interact with the studio system and filmmakers and, and film production companies. Well, that's the more optimistic view. What I'm thinking is going to happen is the completely opposite thing where studios are going to rub it in fans faces saying is this the version you wanted four hours of this stupidity really so by putting it out they're just going to end this debate once and for all and saying well let us have the control but clearly when directors have control this is the kind of shit they put out essentially i think it's a cool thing even though i don't think side is a good director how many biblical allegories are going to be in there in that four hours? Yeah. I'm gonna, I, I don't think the movie will be game, good. Like every time there's a biblical allegory. But like, I'm curious to see how it's different, right? And, you know, there is a director with a vision, for better or worse, that was taken away from him after a family tragedy was involved. That's true. The, I think the, partly the studio kind of just wanted to take it away from Snyder after two bombs and, and fears about how the film was going to turn out. And probably they had a really good excuse. Yeah after he had to step away to just change the tone and retrofit another director onto it. Um, But Snyder had to step away because he just suffered a horrible family tragedy at the time, as had his, the producer who is his wife, Deborah Snyder. It's good. I think that he's able to go back and make the film he wanted to make. I, I pretty much see this as a positive. Yeah, look, I've, I've been being saccharine and joking about this. Um, I don't like Zack Snyder's director. I like 300, even though I think, I think it's as good as the comic. I think he's made a lot of bad films. I think he's made a lot of very, very bad films. I'm referring to Sucker Punch, among a couple of others. But Oh, yeah, he's made some shockers. But, the fact but is, he has a vision. Was Watchmen the, Snyder as well? Yeah, it also was. very bad. But yeah. the, fact, the fact is this, and I, I say this across the board, if a director, be it Ridley Scott doing Blade Runner or anyone else, had issues with how they got the film that was released by God as regards studio interference or else, or didn't have the tech or didn't have the time and want to release a new version and they've got the money to do it, all power to them. I'll watch it. It's interesting. I respect that. I will see it. I'm, I'm not a big Justice League fan, but I'm curious enough about this if I will go out for it. And that's fine. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. We'll judge. We'll, we'll, we'll promise we'll review it when it comes out. We are going to watch this. I will watch it. Yeah. 
Wait, yeah. are we making commitment? Oh God! Okay. You don't have to. You don't have to. You, you don't, you don't have to. I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching. After all this, I'm watching the Snyder Cut, and I, I'm I watch, I think there'll be a lot of people. Night, I'm gonna watch this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of people in that position who are like, "Well, I've been hearing release the Snyder Cut ad nauseum for the past three years. It's like release a crap. Fine, I'll watch it. Does this, does this mean we're gonna get the butt cut of cats? I hope so. No, it's the butthole cut. <laughs> Right, the butthole cut. So the, the butt cut, it sounds different. <laughs> uh, speaking of released different versions of things, um, Art Disney and their splash modification, they've done it again with um, someone's cleavage in a TV show. This is like weird CGI coverings. Yeah. Just the like thing blurring is, her cleavage out. Like, why? I, I wouldn't notice it if you didn't draw attention to it. So, like, I wasn't looking for it. Everyone's talking about this actress's cleavage. Look for it. Disney are the worst, man. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, so that's the Snyder, speaking of the worst, that's the Snyder Cut. No, that's not fair. We'll review it when we see <laughs> we'll it. Find just, we'll find find. Uh, Justice League wasn't good. But hey, look, if he wants to release a new version, and he's got the fight, he's got the backing for it. I'm all for it. We'll see it. We'll review it. Yeah. Um, in the last five minutes, we want to talk about a new release, something we haven't done in a little bit. Yeah, um, this film Netflix. was, yes, it's on Netflix. It's The Lovebirds. This film was going to be released in cinemas, but because uh, Paris, Paramount with a distributor and they've sold things to Netflix in the past, like the Cloverfield paradox. And they decided to sell oh, this one. Too terrible. Yeah. This one, I think they. Was the right decision to make. To I think it was the right decision it would to make. bomb at the box office pretty badly. I think they saw that uh, there's going to be a crowd of films being released in cinemas when COVID-19 lockdowns are over and cinemas are allowed to reopen yeah. and this film would not stand a chance competing against some of the big heavy hitters that are all going yeah, to be crushed like, into the release schedule. Tenet, Wonder Woman 84 and The Lovebirds. What are you yeah. going to think? I, th- I think also they knew that attendance for cinemas in general is going to be down for a while and only I mean, those big heavy on, hitter blockbusters yeah. are going to have a chance. So, attendance um, on Netflix for this movie are going to be down anyway. So, But this, first things first, this feels, feels like a Netflix movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is totally like this, an OTT platform kind of stuff. There's nothing about it that feels like you have to go to the cinema to see this. Visually, it's super flat. The director is Michael Showalter. He directed The Big Sick that Camille Nanjiani was in. And The Big Sick was really good, I thought. Yeah. But The Big Sick was carried by its script. And this is a really bad script. Bad to the point that it's like, like the movie's all right. I think the um, the comic timing of the direction and especially Issa Rae is good. But yeah. the script is bad to the point that it's like, how did this get funded? None of the gags in the script translate to the screen. I mean, none, they're not funny in writing. It's, no, it's, it's just, not funny. It's just bad writing. They're just but, like, it's not a gag. But you know who makes, makes it funny? Issa Rae. Yeah. I'd never seen her in anything before. She's really funny um she has the screen presence to like have all the and the charm to really elevate a really flat script which Johnny cannot do no if she weren't here the movie would be so much worse she's working overtime trying to make this funny she earns and sometimes she back. succeeds but Camille Nanjiani, I've been saying since The Big Sick came out, this guy is a shocking actor and you guys are the only two who agree with me. All right. Um, I like him in Silicon Valley. He's good in the role as the coder. Um, it's it's funny, great material, and he has had years to develop it. I don't think he was good in The Big Sick. I think a part of it was that he was up against Ho- Holly Hunter. Yeah. So many more talented actors. Yeah. he's Well, there's a scene where he's talking with Ray Romano which is one of the emotional linchpins of the film and romano is so heartfelt and nunjiani was just so flat and that's what really mouthing lines and it just feels like you know you're literally just saying dialogues yeah so it's the same problem in this film 
Uh, he's he up against one good line a, in the big sick. It's the nine eleven joke. Otherwise, he, he, that was a great line. He's up against a really great comic actress here, and you, you can see how much she's putting in to elevate the, the lines, like, bring something to it. He's bringing nothing he's, to it. He's just he's flatly reciting his lines. Off. Like he doesn't even get the comic beats. He's like he can't even time his punches correctly. It no, is so he's really bad. But okay, the movie is very similar to Date Night, right? In that it's like the couple who are in this mystery chase scenario. Yeah. Um, going from place to place to place, um, you know, trying to solve this mystery and the, there's violence. And then there's and a random crime intrigue. syndicate, like from a random eyes, crime syndicate from Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, the Eyes Wide Shut thing, yeah. Oh but my God, the, it's the, so the, stupid. Which is, script, that sounds like Game Night. Right. The, the, the problem is that the, the, you, I could not buy into this at all, simply from the fact that they don't go to the police. They, it justifies after at the beginning they, their car gets hijacked and uh, used to murder somebody and some people on the street see them. For some reason, these characters are allergic to telling anyone the truth. I'm just spoiling the first half an hour of the film here, right? Yeah. When they get approached by people on the street after the crimes happened and they're asking there was no what's going on, they, they make up a bunch of excuses. For no they reason. Don't, yeah. but they, for no reason. They don't say, someone just hijacked our car and killed this guy. It's like, oh, no, this guy? We we did kill it. Our, our car killed him, but what, like they do this funny yeah, as if, as if they're implicated. When yeah, they're which implicates not. at that yeah. point in time they were not implicated. They exactly. self-implicated themselves. They don't protest their innocence, and the film tries to justify them not going to the police by saying, "Oh, we're both minorities. The police aren't going to believe us, so they're going to." persecute us right but i was, well, I was social justice was, angle is so stupid in this movie it's so stupid because they don't have any other choice right the the other choice is let's go on the run from police and keep implicating ourselves further which they and do get which so often they choose <laughs> a police detective calls them up and they make up more lies and then but, they they go to a place to meet with uh, people involved in an obvious criminal conspiracy. And instead of the first thing they say, as it should have been when they were talking to the police on the phone and when they were talking to the bystanders who saw them being, hey, we're not the guy. We've just picked up this phone and we're trying to clear our names. They instead make up a bunch of lies and pretend they, you know, when they're talking to obviously dangerous criminals, if you can't buy into the film on a basic level like this, then yeah, it's comedy, but you need to be able to invest yourself. And I'm just not, but even to, like enough the, to go with the script. The, and their timing it. and chemistry. It sounds like Queen and Slim, except Queen and Slim made sense in the context of that universe. I was going to make that comparison, Glenn, because in Queen and Slim, it was they'd killed a police officer, right? In this case, it's just they witnessed a murder and, and their car was used. But when they're saying, oh, we can't talk to the cops because we're minorities and the cops are bad and racist, I was thinking like, okay, well, yeah, the cops may be bad and racist, but you literally have no other choice. And the first thing I thought when they gave this speech that outlines where they're not talking to the cops, this hi carjacking happened in public. Aren't there some CCTV yeah. cameras that would maybe prove Look, that there was a man fitting the description that, you know, running through the, the middle I was of the city? What I, was thinking, right? what I was thinking back then at that point in time was like maybe somebody from the cops is involved and that's why they're not going to the cops. Like that was what's going to be- revealed. That would have been way smarter if exactly. they were actually yeah, you saying know, that. That makes sense. Like there's somebody, a dirty cop who's covering up tracks and that's why they can't go to the cops because you're not sure whether or not- 
but yeah, the, the, the script doesn't work on the fundamental level because you can't buy into it. But what's most frustrating, if I can kind of spoil the whole movie here, is that the whole thing turns out to be a wild goose chase. There's no narrative satisfaction from the mystery point A to point B. Oh, a clue. Let's go to point C. Story angle. Because they never figure it's anything worse out. Than, the mystery is worse than that Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston. Netflix yeah. Movie. The, the story and the mystery doesn't actually progress in any way. All that happens is that they extend out the chase and then it's resolved in a way that it could have been resolved in the first right at the beginning of the movie without any of the steps they took like could have been finished as a short in 10 minutes essentially well no the movie the movie could have been 20 25 minutes long yeah like what happens at the end of it could have happened at the beginning if they just um, tell the truth if they just told the truth straight away so that just magnifies the frustrations and there was no, and there was nothing, not there was nothing, no so incentive to lie at that point in time. Like, they make yeah, they had no it, incentive. It reminds me of the old Scribble comedies on. where all that needs to happen is one character saying one thing to another character and the scene or a movie would come to an end. Yeah, but they had the charm to actually pull it off. And even then, there's not enough fast talking quips in this movie to have that kind of rhythm either. This is such an off, like, from a comic perspective, the rhythm and beats in this movie are so off that there's no laugh out loud moments. Like, I know Chris mentioned there's probably one. There's one funny scene, I would say, in the movie. Yeah. It's but, like, just... it's just too late. For, for a comedy, there's no laughs. And I was just like, what am I watching? For, yeah, just, just the fact that it's that mystery narrative, but the mystery has no layers to it, no intrigue, and doesn't go anywhere. Um, yeah. Doesn't all succeed of... as a suspense, doesn't succeed as a comedy. All, yeah, Whatever. all that that journey that the characters go on accomplishes, since it doesn't accomplish anything on the narrative mystery level, is showing the couple falling in love with each other again because it opens with them, oh, we're going to break up. But even from the beginning, I didn't buy into this because their breakup speech for me, it didn't feel savage enough. It felt like an ordinary yeah. couple argument where they're arguing over dumb shit. Yeah, right? but like, oh, I'm going to break up. And then oh, I guess like, we have oh, to I'm break sorry. up now. I was yeah. like, no, this is just the kind of thing that happens four years. This, isn't, this didn't seem that bad. Yeah. Like, it's just fundamentally the script isn't there at any point. So, and the film is such a generic take on other things that have been successful. So I guess I've just answered the, my own question I was about to ask, which is, why did this get funded? Oh, I guess it looks kind of like Game Night. Yeah, it looks like it kind of those other movies that succeeded or are like in Donnie, right now. He's made some bad choices. I didn't see Stupid, granted, but the reviews oh, were God. very terrible. Um, so that is, that is Lovebirds. It is on Netflix as is Date Night and Game Night. Queen and Slim may be available in VOD. I'm sure at one point it'll be on Netflix. Yeah, go watch it. It's, it's really good. It, it was really good. Yeah. Much better than this. So we'll be back next week uh, with any fights you want us to fight about. Just let us know. And we will be talking more things at the film festival, things that are streaming, things that are happening around town. This is be, and you can find us in our social media. Yes. Uh, Twitter.com slash film fight club au or facebook.com slash film fight club so have a wonderful night whenever you're listening enjoy movies stay safe and we'll see you again in a cinema soon good night cinemas will return <laughs> <laughs>